You look like you have a mosquito on your forehead. He does. He does, does indeed. Oh, yeah. Other, <laughs> side. Other, Other side. Other side. Yeah. There. I think you might want to whack him one more time, there. though. He's got some. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> now it looks like one. now it looks like Ash Wednesday. <laughs> This is Four Friends Fight About Film, a podcast about movies and things more important than movies, if we ever find any. Have you guys ever found any? No. I mean, maybe like family or... No. Religion? (laughs) Hard no. (laughs) Um, I did tell them I wanted to bring in some rants that I had. One was about snap-tight models. I'm just... Those are more important. Well, this particular one was because it really it drove me to the end. I was I was I was serious. I was really close to the. So no. So now you guys know how talk art feels. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't want you to have to wait too long. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So today we're doing something a little different. Lance and Kyle were not able to make it. So Jordan and I have set up a special crossover episode with our good friends of the Talk Hard podcast. The Talk Hard guys are on a production company called Walk Softly Films, and we're huge fans of their work and especially their very funny and genuine Southern voice, which is certainly underrepresented in Hollywood. So first of all, tell us a little bit about your podcast, guys. Talk Hard is a very free-form, probably two free-form podcasts <laughs> that we put together. We just have a lot to say to each other uh, about a lot of varying topics, mostly film. So we thought, hey, let's just record them and see how it goes. Yeah, we have a lot of fun over there. We talk anything, movies, TV, some pop culture, but not much. Some comics, but uh, not much. So you guys are native Kentuckians. Kentucks? Kentucky. Yeah, Kentucks, I think is what the way I've always <laughs> heard of okay. Kentucks. It just really depends on where you're from. I like Kentuckyites. I've, I've never heard I've never heard Kentucks. I haven't either. Kentuckateers. I like that though. <laughs> uh, and we're from Georgia, so today we thought we'd pick our favorite films from each other's home states. So to kick us off, because you guys are all new, people don't know who you are, say your name, and then if you were to hit the big time and move to LA, what would you miss most about the South? Uh, Scott, start us off. My name is Scott Stafford. I live in Frankfort, Kentucky. If I hit the big time and move to LA, so let me throw a wrench in it because I don't think if I hit the big time I would move to LA. I Ooh, think I would go twist. Robert Rodriguez style, yeah, and uh, and try to bring Stay everything in into yeah into the bluegrass state as much as I possibly could. Scott, just play the game. Yeah, that, that, that answer is cheating. It is cheating a little bit. What would you miss most about LA if you stayed in Kentucky? <laughs> <laughs> what would I miss most about the South? I would miss the seasons. I like the seasons a lot. Yeah. I like fall a lot. This is like my time, and I would miss my good friends. Hopefully, these two would be with me if that happened but uh you know we there would there would be family left behind i guess (laughs) there might be a little bit friends come family stays hey jordan i'm jordan i love the south but i don't what about the nat line oh you mean i'd miss gnats the nat line they're down in georgia is there a line where above a certain point there's no gnats and below and below it it's natsville right i live live below that line no you're not okay so you're good. I grew up in South Georgia, and there were gnats everywhere all the time. I don't see them at all in Atlanta. Oh, I do. Huh. Yeah. How about I that? I mean, not like when I lived in Florida. So is that your answer? That I'd miss the gnats? <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I mean, I would miss, I'd miss Southern food. Yeah. Comfort. Yeah. The yeah. comfort yeah. food of the South. 
I'm Alan Martin. I'm from Danville, Kentucky. And if I moved to LA, the thing I think I would miss about the South is the free flowing traffic because I listen to a lot of podcasts mm-hmm. from LA where all they do is complain <laughs> about how bad the traffic is yeah. from you, A to B. You don't live in Atlanta, do yeah, you? Unfortunately, no, we, also we do have not. Traffic. Small town Danville, I can nice. get anywhere yeah. pretty easily. So yeah. that's definitely what I would miss. Uh, my name is Hudson, and you guys kind of took mine because I was going to say fall and I was also going to say food, but I'm going to go more specific and say Waffle House. Oh, I thought you were going to go Bob Evans. Oh, Bob Evans. We, we don't, don't have, have a whole lot of Bob Evans <laughs> where we are. I, I, yeah, I, I actually hate it. They, they, have, they brown, have Bojangles. They have brown we gravy. Do have Bojangles. We do have Bojangles. <laughs> we're, we're just starting to get Bojangles. Todd Sheen, Danville, Kentucky native, born and raised, uh, left a little while and came back. How about if I tell you what I wouldn't miss? That's great. I wouldn't miss June <laughs> yeah. through August. Yeah. <laughs> and my birthday's in June. And my wedding anniversary is in June, <laughs> and my daughter's birthday is in July. And you uh, could still go without those things if it meant no heat. The heat's not so bad. It's, it's it, the humidity it gets it's you. The humidity, <laughs> yeah. but it's it's just the fact that the middle of your back starts sweating, and that it ends up on your Achilles tendon. <laughs> <laughs> And it just rolls all the way down, and you feel it. You feel it every inch just crawl. So you can imagine everything in between. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't have to Where imagine. I'm looking at it. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so we're recording this at River's Edge Film Festival in Paducah, Kentucky, where we both got short films playing. It's definitely one of our favorite film festivals that we go to throughout the year or have been to. Um, and so let's talk a little bit about what our films are that we have here. So, guys, tell us about Rural Legend. First of all, that, difficult to pronounce. It's terrible to try <laughs> and to that's say. that's exactly why we did it. And this is a Todd Sheen joint more than ours, so we'll let him. Well, Rural Legend. Well done. It's just kind of one of those, you know, cautionary tales, kind of like The Hook or The Babysitter and the Killer Upstairs. So it's one of those urban legends that we kind of messed with and turned a little on its head. Alan had a really good idea to kind of make the ending a little different than how the normal urban legend plays out. And I'm a folklore. head. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, And it's an impressive short. We had to see it this weekend. It, It looked gorgeous. Gorgeous. Well, thank it was you. A lot yeah. of fun. So. Thank you. I, I enjoyed it greatly. Yeah, Jordan, tell us what Five Cups is about. First, I should say that Five Cups was written by the bad boy of film podcasting, Lance Hurd. <laughs> but he can't speak for himself. <laughs> no, he can't. So I'll speak for him. It's a story of two women who have breakfast together once a week. They've been friends for a long time, and one of them is being terrorized by some sort of strange entity. And uh, it tells the story of her experience with said entity over the course of like seven weeks or something. So both. Traditionally, both of our production companies do a lot of comedy work, but this was actually both of these are horror movies, mm-hmm. uh, kind of for the first time. So, when will people be able to see uh, either one of these films? For you guys, you'll put it up online at some point, I assume. We talked about actually putting that out this this Halloween uh, as a Halloween gift to everybody. Well, so, that was yeah. a week ago. Which is so, coming gone, so. so it did not happen. Well, it's Halloween. Thanks. It's always Halloween somewhere. <laughs> no, no. Kind of one I think up. that's how that works. Yeah. Follow us on social media on Facebook or Twitter. Everything is Walk Softly Films, backslash Walk Softly Films, Twitter's at Walk Softly Films. Exactly. So I meant to ask the name Talk Hard, which I think is great because it plays off of Walk Softly, but have any of you guys seen Pump Up the Volume? Uh, a long time ago. Yeah, a long time. Oh, yes. Film. yes. Yeah. But the Slater. slogan from that movie is Talk Hard. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's about like a pirate radio DJ. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I swear we didn't know. It, I swear yeah. we didn't know. <laughs> it takes on a much different meaning, I think, right. than what you guys so too, yeah. I threw up Talk Softly when we first started just to, you know, just to keep it all in the family. But, oh, yeah. You know, and then I thought, how about Talk Flaccid? But, um, <laughs> but nope. <laughs> talk Hard. They wanted they wanted straight up. <laughs> 
All right, so we asked some listeners on Facebook what their favorite movies are that take place in their home state, and we got some great responses. Chris Adams said, with Walk the Line or Marie in second place, Nashville sure seems like a good representation of the mid-70s Nashville music industry. I don't know what Marie is. I don't, I don't know either. what that is either. Do nope. I know that? It takes place Let us Nashville know, Chris, because I'm not um, looking it up. <laughs> but Nashville, the Altman film, is what they're talking about? No, um... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Alex Bayless said he's from Tennessee, and Death Proof, the second half, is set in Tennessee. He says, I don't think it's a great representation of where I'm from, Knoxville, <laughs> but it definitely captures that rural Tennessee feel. Good job, man. You've been practicing. It catches exactly how bored you can be in rural Tennessee. <laughs> right. Jeff Miller said, Mean Streets. Pure representation of the hustle that was New York in the early 70s. I'm assuming Jeff is old enough to remember New York in the early 70s. All grit, no bullshit, and all about what it took to keep from getting bowled over and cast aside on the dirty boulevard. If you can't appreciate this film, you're a mook. Whatever wow. that means. Well, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm assuming that's some sort of New York slang from the 70s that we're not aware of. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess I need to watch Mean Streets again. That's past so. us Southerners. Yeah, we're a bunch of mooks. Yeah. <laughs> if that makes me a mook, I'm proud to be a mook. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, so let's jump into our favorite movies from each other's states. So you guys chose three Georgia movies. We chose three Kentucky movies. Jordan, kick us off. I'd love to. From 1961, it's The Hustler, directed by Robert Rosen, or Rosen? Do you guys know which it is? No. You're from Kentucky. Is it an E or an I? R-O-S-S-E-N. Even harder. Rossin. Rossin. It's I'm double S. I'm going Rosson. Rosson. Yeah. Okay. Directed by Robert Rosson. Starring Paul Newman, Piper Laurie, Jackie Gleason. Anyway, this is not the Larry Flint story. The Hustler? The Hustler. No, that, right. that one's just Hustler. <laughs> and Larry Flint, by the way, from Eastern Kentucky. Close. I know everybody. Do you think he named the magazine after this movie? That's what I was wondering. Kentucky mm. tie there? Do you guys know Ken Tucks? I don't know. I don't know. We don't like uh, to claim Larry Flint. Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. Newman is a small-time pool hustler named Fast Eddie Felson, traveling the country, pool hall to pool hall with his partner, Charlie. Fast Eddie meets his match in the city of Ames, which I guess is Iowa, an unbeatable pool legend named Minnesota Fats, played by Jackie Gleason. Eddie loses all but a few dollars to Fats, just enough to rent a locker at the local bus terminal. It's there at the bus terminal that Eddie meets Sarah Packard, a clever alcoholic match for Eddie. This is the meat of the story, from my perspective. Book ended by high stakes and high drama pool shooting scenes. Uh, have you guys seen this movie? Oh, we yeah. watched it. I was hell bent on finishing it before this podcast, so I watched it <laughs> last night. Finished it up this afternoon. Watched it all morning. It's long. It is. It is very long. It's almost three hours long. And could have easily, well, from my taste, could have could have made some trims. Nope. <laughs> uh, so what do you think? Oh, I loved it. I guess uh, Jordan's going to disagree with this. I thought the pacing, I, maybe it was a 60s thing. I thought the pacing drove me insane. Too slow. Very slow. Yeah. Like everybody saunters. Nobody walks at a normal pace. There's, were you, were there, you alive in 1961? I was not. <laughs> That's how people That's walked how in 1961. <laughs> I guess I guess it was, but I, I don't approve of it. And I wish I could go back in time and change things for their sake. Yeah. But I do wow. think it served the billiard scenes well. That pacing was, it fit the billiard scenes really well. Mm-hmm. I think it's gorgeous. Yeah. I think uh, Eugene Shufton. If you want to look at any, like, because I've seen clips and pieces, but actually to sit down and watch it and the fact that it's in black and white, I mean, if you want to study lighting for film, this is as gorgeous of a black and white in any noir film as, as I've seen. Like, Absolutely. It, it, is, it is painted with shadows, as they say, and it is gorgeous. Do you think that's why it won the Academy Award for cinematography? I, w- <laughs> I would say that that <laughs> has a, a high likelihood, yes. So Newman won an Academy Award for playing this character, but not until he repri- reprised it. 
uh, for the 1986 sequel, Color of Money. Yeah, he was nominated for this movie, but didn't win it. Which, that, that movie I remember from being a kid, but it kind of, at the time, fell into that Tom Cruise's Good at Stuff movies from the 80s, so like <laughs> Cocktail and Top yeah. Gun in yeah. this movie. Um, yet it was directed by Martin Scorsese. Who's also good at stuff. <laughs> I dare you to find a better movie about bartending than Cocktail. Car- car- <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that is, Cocktail is the best. Well, there's uh, a movie called Coyote Ugly. <laughs> So, well, yeah, I can see that. And can, and can I say that, geez, that's a good looking man. I mean, I'm not afraid to say it. Tom Cruise? Paul Newman. Oh, oh yeah. Paul Paul Newman. Newman. I was about to say John Goodman from Coyote Ugly. Goodness. <laughs> well, a last, a last note about Newman and for his Oscar nominated performance here. It's nothing short of phenomenal to me. Uh, I'd actually argue that he really makes this role his own. Hmm? It's really Newman's own. Ah, yeah. There yeah. We go. Saccharini yeah, on that it, one. <laughs> yep. All you guys, uh, your first Georgia film. The Visitor. 1979, the soul of a young girl with telekinetic powers becomes the prize in a fight between forces of God and the devil. If you watch the trailer for this movie and don't just completely get jelly drawers, I'm telling <laughs> wow. you, it's... I know. Wait a minute. Ding, ding. You can edit that. It's just one of those... I mean, it, it, and this is more obvious now, 30, 35 years later, how, how impressive this is. You've got a foreign director coming over to the States and he's coming to, of all places, Atlanta. And we've got Lance Henriksen in there and we've got... John Huston. John Huston. Glenn Ford. Glenn Ford. I mean... Shelly Winters. Shelly Winters. This is a cavalcade, folks, of acting talent. Glenn Ford, the original Paul Kent. Or my favorite Paul Kent. Sorry, not the original. Sam Peckinpah. And Sam Peckinpah (laughs) delivering those lines, baby. And for Glenn Ford fans, we all remember how touching his death scene in Superman was right i mean it really it I mean, really it, is great it's a great it's a great death scene not so great in the visitor uh <laughs> although great in a whole different way pretty great uh yeah pretty uh, great and shot right by my house oh yeah yeah okay it and was then, really fun to watch that scene because i just recognized everything is like yeah. the way i go home a lot of times yeah well i mean obviously this is still i mean even in 79 the italians love to rip off the exorcist for some reason <laughs> they just loved it and this is another this is another you know six years later they're still ripping the on the exorcist. I think they're probably upset that there's a country within their country that is run by Catholics. Yeah, and they like didn't the come exorcist. up with it first. Right. <laughs> I completely understand that. So the description of this movie on the official website says an intergalactic warrior battles alongside a cosmic Christ figure against a demonic eight-year-old girl and her pet hawk as the fate of the universe hangs in the balance. That's much better than the one I read. <laughs> that, that, that better that captures. That sounds yes, awesome. Yes, and that, ca- that, that is the trailer. That's that what is, you see that's the trailer. Yeah. You see plenty of Hawk. Mm-hmm. You see plenty of possessed <laughs> eight-year-old or however old she was. This girl was like, I think, uh, I think she was from Atlanta area, so yeah. she was a local. She owns a salon in Atlanta now. Does she really? Oh, like an eyelash salon. Yeah. Right, yeah. I, I saw her on the um, the making of, you know, many years later, and she's very, very beautiful woman, uh, young woman now. As far as I know, her only role, or her, at least her only role of substance, and yeah. she just, she ran with it, I can say. She's, I mean, <laughs> The profanity spewing, she was right there in the Bible belt and just letting it roll. I love when Glenn Ford asked her. Yeah, now, isn't there something that you'd like to say to me that you haven't said before? Yeah. Hey, what's that? In that country, 
in that yeah. sweet Atlanta. Super country. I can't even get there. Eight years old? Yeah. I yeah. mean, just totally crazy nuts. It's a thing of joy. You see all these big name actors in this movie, and it just goes totally crazy. Franco Nero's great as the Christ-like figure mm-hmm. that has got the sweetest locks you'll ever see. <laughs> uh, and then there's these, he's like in this room with all these creepy children that have no hair, I believe. Yeah, it's, no hair. They, they all really shave their heads for it, too. I mean, you know, where are you going to get some kind of movie like that? Hmm? So, the, so the opening sequence where we first meet Lance Henriksen, or second sequence, whatever, uh, where we are in the Omni at the basketball game and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is just <laughs> shredding that court. He's running the ball right before the buzzer, trying to w- win the, the winning point. And the basketball, as he's jumping in the air, explodes literally explodes and this is intriguing i'm, oh, yeah, I'm pumped sure. about it the yeah. only other reference in the entire movie to that basketball exploding is right after that when it cuts to lance henrickson and joanne nail in post-coital bliss uh just later that evening and they lay out some of my favorite dialogue i've ever heard <laughs> in my in my life and actually supposedly it was improvised <laughs> you know that explosion i can't get it out of my mind which explosion? The first explosion, one ball, or the second explosion, two balls? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it might somehow be the part of the movie that makes the most sense. <laughs> I think you might be right there, Jordan. It's writing like that. It's just such a, it's a mix of things that could have only happened in 1979. <laughs> right. This director comes over and tries to, you know, do a movie in America with his sensibilities uh, using American talent and some that's probably just a little bit past their freshness date. But still, good talent. Draft House, I think, picked this up yeah, and, and, they re- and then it, like, re-released re- it to theaters a few, couple years ago. Which it had um, never been released in its full version. Exactly, yeah. The American yeah. distributor had cut it down and released it that way. Yeah, um, which is never a good thing. Right. Bad, I, bad I, American the, distributor. The question I found myself asking for the entire one hour and 50 minutes of this movie was why in the hell is John Huston in this movie? I mean, this <laughs> right. this man made some of the greatest movies, acted in some of the greatest movies, and I couldn't figure it out, so I looked it up. Turns out that John Huston and producer writer of The Visitor Ovidio Asinitis. That's right. Which is definitely a made up name. It's got to be. <laughs> they were really good friends, and so Ovidio asked John Huston if he'd be in his new movie, and John Huston, without reading the script, signed a contract to be in the film. Mm-hmm. Wow. So after he finally got the script and read it He's like, he said he said that the visitor would either be a marvelous movie or a piece of <laughs> now trivia time what was john houston's response to the film after it was made I think he thinks it's somewhere between those two answers. <laughs> somewhere between Marvelous yeah. and Piece of yeah. Hudson? He thought it was Marvelous. He loved it. Scott? Uh, marvelous P.O.S. That's what I think. <laughs> eight, eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. <laughs> he, he gave it his own You guys actually did pretty well. His response was, I didn't realize we were making this kind of movie. Congratulations. <laughs> Which I'm incapable of reading as anything other than sarcasm, but apparently it's not sarcasm. He was really, really excited about oh, it. Wow. Ovidio talks about going to visit John Houston a week before he died and what John Houston did he had, he had assembled all the women from his entire life and apparently there were like 18 year old girls and there were like 80 year old women and they were all sitting around this giant table just like hanging out reminiscing I'm not sure what Ovidio was the only other man there other than John Houston and apparently there was a, a VHS copy of The Visitor there that Houston had bought and 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 watched because he loved the movie so much mm. oh, that's amazing he's the only <laughs> one crazy. I love it I love no, it no there's a lot of people that love this movie but yeah. nobody understands it or knows what's happening. I, no. I, they didn't know. It opens with this incredible alien desert scene that shows up elsewhere in 
the movie as well, but it was all like an afterthought that Ovidio wrote and produced himself in the studio that Fellini used to shoot movies in. And uh, they just he just thought it would add to the sci-fi feel of the movie if they had an alien desert scene where there's a snowy blizzard. Yeah, this film is a true piece of Atlanta history. It really kind of is because the house shot, the house in this movie is unbelievable. It was Ted Turner's house. Huh, was it? Okay. Really? Yeah. That's funny. Well, a video, and I know a lot of you all out there thinking, and that is a video was a one and done. But oh, he no. wasn't a one and oh, done. Oh, no. When, when, you, when you've got a towel like that, you keep tapping that asinitis. <laughs> and, and he did one of the best movies where a man's hand turns into a snakehead that I've ever seen. <laughs> wow. And that is Curse 2, The Bite. I'm going to recommend that, that people watch The Visitor. Just get real stoned beforehand. Watch the trailer <laughs> and then try to talk yourself out of not watching the movie. <laughs> That's the okay way I would put the it. Trailer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there's just so much goodness. In yeah, there. like a like an hour and forty eight minutes of <laughs> yeah. other goodness. It just depends on what your schedule is like. As a representation of Georgia, it captured a time and place. You know, yeah. when it when it go when it jumps to Atlanta from the snowy desert, I got really excited to see the city that I live in mm-hmm. in seventies glory. It's got a lot of cool Atlanta things in it. Next Kentucky film, The Insider. So the nineteen ninety nine Michael Mann film starring Russell Crowe as Kentucky resident Jerry Wingard in this somewhat fictionalized, mostly true account of his attempt to blow the whistle on Big Tobacco in 1994 that eventually led to a $246 billion settlement from the tobacco companies. Wingard was a tobacco scientist who, after being fired, broke his non-disclosure agreement to reveal that tobacco companies intentionally make their cigarettes more addictive. It specifically looks at the -the behind-the-scenes drama uh, behind his 60 Minutes interview. It's a fascinating look at journalism, Al Pacino plays the 60 Minutes producer Lowell Bergman and Christopher Plummer plays correspondent Mike Wallace. For those curious about how realistic it was, Mike Wallace has said that the film is about two-thirds accurate. Hmm. It was nominated for seven Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Actor, Director, and Adapted Screenplay. Top critics on Rotten Tomatoes, it's at 100%. Wow. wow. That's good. Yeah. It's not bad. It's crazy. That's as high as it goes. I feel like this one knocked it out of the park for Kentucky. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> this, I mean, this is one of my from Kentucky. This is one of my favorite movies. It's I think Michael Mann it's did a, such an incredible job. He's known so much for his very physical, violent, but very smart sort of action movies. And this one has no action in it, but it's thrilling is is a word I would definitely riveting. Use. Would you riveting. say riveting? Absolutely. Riveting. I mean it feels Edge action in just the dialogue is is actioning. It's amazing. Yeah. And now, even now, when every word of what Wygan has said on our show is printed. The entire deposition of his testimony in a court of law in the state of Mississippi, the cat totally out of the bag, you're still standing here debating. Don, what the hell else do you need? Yeah, Jeff Andrew from Time Out, to your point, says the movie reveals Michael Mann's unparalleled ability to fashion taut suspense from unpromising material. There so. we go. How much is Kentucky in it? Because, you know, I've watched part of it. I couldn't watch everything we're going to talk about, but yeah. especially three hours of this. But yeah. Russell Crowe's character is from Louisville, right? He lives in yeah. Louisville. Yeah. Right. Currently lives. I don't think he was from there. Yeah, but okay. he lives, and that's where he teaches high school throughout the yeah. movie. And yeah, a lot, like a lot of the movie right. is at his house. He okay. lived there, yeah. And they meet at the Silbach. Uh, uh, which I've been to, oh, cool. and they shot the... What is that? The Silbach Hotel is a old hotel there that uh, some gangsters would go to, and they also shot the uh, original Great Gatsby there. Oh. 
and it was, I think, inspired by the hotel, if I remember correctly. I thought Crow did a good job. Held it together really well. Mm. I think, honestly, no offense, Meg Ryan's ruined a lot of lives. (laughs) Yes, she has. Yes, she has. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Just keep going. I think think you're right about that. I'm a little choked up about this. You know, people talk about Pacino. I'm not sure what the cutoff is, Mm -hmm. but him not doing anything good, like beginning of the 90s and beyond. And I think this movie proves them wrong. This is one of his best. He's great in this film. People like to point at Sin of a Woman. Hoo-ah! Because he Cause got he his yells. Oscar, right? Because so he, he yelled top, and he yeah. got his Oscar. And then from then on, it's like, I'm doing this. Hoo-ah! But yeah, I think you're right. This is this good stuff. Anytime he dials it back. Yeah. yeah. A lot better, more subtle. Yeah. And I like Insomnia, too. And I think he's great in that. Yeah. Yeah, so come good. on, get off of Al. Yeah. yeah. And I, like, I love Christopher Plummer and everything. Oh, I do, too. He's, he's fantastic he, in this. Yeah. Crotchety, he's awesome. though he may be. He's I'm perfect. a big he's Christopher Plummer He's so perfect in this. He is. But obviously, his best film work was in Dragnet. Yes. Yes. Jerry Caesar. Yes. I love that movie. Anyway. And, the, and the Phantom. Ooh. Nope, just Dragnet. <laughs> All right, guys, your next Georgia film. seventy-two's Deliverance, directed by John Borman. It stars a very dreamy Burt Reynolds, which we'll get into. <laughs> but mustacheless. Mustacheless. Yeah. Which is so rare. It's my, a tough one. Extremely rare. <laughs> Voigt, Voigt's making up for it, though. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, John Voigt brings his mustache. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also has Kentucky native. Over his pretty mouth, if you will. <laughs> That's right. Mm. Uh, Kentucky native and Todd Sheen doppelganger, Ned Beatty. <laughs> That's right. That's right. According to somebody that lives in Dable, Kentucky. Does it make you uncomfortable to watch this film? Not a whole lot. Just, uh, how well do you squeal? Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> Todd was told by a person in a receiving line at our community theater after he did uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. Which, by like the Ned way, Beatty. Ned Beatty was not in To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah, right. And he will never forgive that person. So we bring it up every chance we get. Yeah, I'm not yeah. sure they deserve forgiveness yeah. for that. So intent on seeing the Kahulawasi. Did I say that right? Kahulawasi Nope, River? you didn't. Okay, go ahead. You just say it faster and it'll... Kahulawasi? There you go. I don't okay. know if that's right, but it, it sounds more convincing when you say it the Kahulawasi River in northern Georgia before it's turned into one huge lake. And actually, I'm not sure that that's a real river because I, I think they... I think you're right. They shot it on a river that I've whitewater rafted that I can't remember yeah. the name of. Outdoor fanatic Lewis Medlock, played by Burt Reynolds, takes his friends on a river rafting trip they'll never forget into dangerous American backcountry. I watched this movie this summer because my son was required to read the book Oh, wow. At Berea College. How old is your... Oh, okay, college. Yeah, college. Okay, he was, good. Yeah, he loved yeah, the book. Fifth, fifth wow. grade reading. Fifth grade. <laughs> it's on the reading yeah. list in middle school in Danville, Kentucky. Right after uh, Color Purple. He, yeah, he loved the book, told me I had to read it. Well, I read it in like two days, and I'm not a big reader. It was an incredible book. And then like it popped up on Netflix, and yeah. I watched it and fell in love with it. Man, I think just cinematically, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. Nearly perfect. I hope nobody ever does like a digitally mastered version of it, because I think the gritty and grainy look of it just captures it perfectly. I actually have it on Blu-ray and the transfer's pretty bad. They like yeah. lighten some of it and it's not. I would not. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to watch it that way. I don't think. You like to watch it on an old like reel to reel. Like right. really, you rented the film. I re- no. He's got an old thirty-five. Print. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I think the grittier it is and and looks, the more it captures the feel that they were going for. I think it probably also has one of the most disturbing scenes from that era. Yeah. With the squeal like a pig scene. Yeah. Some say um, they went too far. Really? Yeah. I, I disagree. For, that, for yeah, for seventy-two, I can see where they might have said that. Squeal now. Squeal. Yeah, I like, uh, I think I read a review where 
one of the reviewers said he couldn't give it a positive review because he was so embarrassed to be in the theater with other people while he watched it because huh, of that wow. scene. Yeah. So was, anyway, wow. Okay. The Burt Reynolds thing, just real quick. When I said on our podcast that I'd watched it, it it spawned a discussion on if you could look like a guy for six months, <laughs> you have to choose to look like anybody in the world for six months. Who would you choose? And I chose Burt Reynolds from Deliverance <laughs> with a mustache. And no, without without man, I like clean cut Burt. <laughs> and it didn't hurt any that my wife was obviously enamored with him <laughs> while she watched the movie, so that kind of pushed me over the top. So the screenplay uh, to this movie was also written by the author of the book, James. This was his first and only experience in the film industry, and that might have something to do with the fact that him and director James Borman got in a fist fight on set, and Dickie broke Borman's nose and knocked four of his teeth out. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. He was not happy with how things were going, apparently. Dickie, don't play. <laughs> uh, and in terms of Georgia, I'm not sure we really want to be known for banjos and. I thought we were all going to agree that this was the best representation. <laughs> <Right>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I kind of like it because it's so menacing. Georgia doesn't normally seem menacing, and I kind of want it to. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm into this one representation. Man, one person's opinion. It's <laughs> yes, mine. It's very different than the Georgia of Dukes of Hazard. Right, yeah, yeah. that's it's right. a, it's a difference. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, extreme sodomy aside, it was very unsettling. Obviously, the the pig scene including was including that is also yeah. unsettling. Yeah. that was just You're icing that on the proverbial cake. But the whole, I mean, just the whole complete sense of menace the whole yeah. time yeah. those guys yeah. are heading. Even down. if they hadn't followed yeah. through, yeah. exactly. Because I mean, you just you just had a feeling. You know, you knew something good it was not going to come of everything and didn't uh, and it's just yeah it's just one of those you know fish out of water tales there were a ton of really good well and really bad deliverance ripoffs too mm-hmm. we can go into that another time look at you restraint <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying I'm stop myself right there our number one Kentucky pick is Cannonball the 2008 film directed by Scott Stafford written by Stafford with Alan Martin and Todd Sheen oh hey that's you guys hey take that David Carradine <laughs> You guys, come on. Uh, you're too much. Lee. Yeah, so I, I actually I really enjoyed watching this movie. And I, I, Me too. I thought it was a lot of fun. Jordan, tell us what it's about. I'll tell you exactly what it's about. And you guys correct us if we get this wrong. Nope. Okay. This is what it's about. <laughs> Cannonball tells the story of three not exactly deadbeat, but not exactly highly motivated friends in their mid-30s living with their parents. After their aspirations of hitting the big time with their backyard pro wrestling organization are upended by the sudden departure of their star wrestler, Captain Cannonball. Cannonball, who in the opening scene of this is wrestling another captain, Captain Clan, which... Mm, don't like that guy. No. <laughs> no what a heel. Nothing no. to like about him. <laughs> no. Captain Cannonball is retiring to move on to greener pastures, promoting his Captain Cannonball children's cereal in the big city. The three friends resolve to better their lives by heading down to live on the beach in Mexico before their male enhancement pyramid scheming arch rival Randall can retire there himself. Randall Powers. His name's Randall Powers? <laughs> Randall Powers. Yeah. 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 Right. Wow. Man. Nice work. Yeah. Once the trio realize they need funding for their journey, they recruit a dangerous man to guide them on a mission to find Big Squatch, a local Bigfoot legend. Oh, which, by the way, you guys, I loved Randall's girlfriend's shirt that said Randall with care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, the premise being that he produces these for everybody that he goes camping. He has a giant <laughs> box somewhere that yeah. everybody gets yeah, one. Yeah. That was the thought. Yeah, was Did I get that right? Did I understand the movie? That's very good. That's pretty, pretty good. good. Pretty yeah. nailed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Better than 
we could have done. Cool. <laughs> so thematically to me, this movie is really about choosing dreams, chasing dreams, and wanting your life to matter, which I feel like a lot of movies explore, but I really liked where you guys seem to land on it, which is that sometimes it's more important than just chasing your dreams. It's helping others chase theirs. So in the film, Bass Adkins says, which is a great name, Bass Adkins. For a dangerous man. Bad Askins. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. He right. says, everybody's chasing something. Sometimes the chase is all you've got. And I can't quite tell if that's a hopeful line or a hopeless line coming from you guys, but I loved it that I think what really matters is not the destination, but who you're with on the way there. So is that something that you guys were thinking about while writing it and while making it? Was that kind of, do we pull the right things out of it? I think, yeah, I think you actually nailed it. Even in my early 20s, I was obsessed and completely mortified of missing my chance and, and time yeah. escaping me and was just consumed with the thought of this is all going to get away from me and I'm never going to, you know, I'm a creative person. Am I ever going to be able to make something and do something large? And so these were the thoughts that were on my mind. So that's exactly the, the type of thing and where it came from. And just like you said, like the things that matter are the people around you. And so, yeah, my 30th birthday was the most difficult birthday for me because I was like, I should have made it by now. I should have everything accomplished by now. And then when I didn't, it was like, oh, what have I been doing with my 20s? But the older I get, the more satisfied I am of just creating the art, doing the act mm. and not the destination anymore. I think that's a good point. We've, we talk about it all the time. And, and yeah, we wanted to ask you those same type of questions, how you guys feel about that. And, and I'm in the same place. Like I think 25 was harder for me. Yeah. 25 was brutal because it was like, I'm closer to 30 now. And 30, for whatever reason, <laughs> right. well, it wasn't actually... It was so old. Yeah, yeah it wasn't. Well, you did make a feature film, which I is am. not nothing. It's pretty impressive. We did not give up. Yeah. We did not. Yeah, it took almost a decade, but we, we it's on a disc. We have boxes full of discs. <laughs> everybody wants a copy. <laughs> so, yeah, tell us a little bit about making this. Like, how it came about, what the budget was, how long it took you to shoot. Sounds like a decade. Eight years. Wow. Yeah. Of actual shooting? I think eight years from was... the time he started writing the first script yeah. okay. to the time we showed it in a theater. Yeah, it took about a year time. to write yeah, and then seven years to film. Wow. Because we only did weekends, and it was horrible, and we had no idea what we were doing. In our best periods of time, our most fruitful, we were doing maybe two weekends a month or something yeah, like that. Wow. Mm-hmm. You guys don't age then, because I thought the character continuity, as far yeah. as the way that well, you guys looked, yeah. didn't really look like that long. Those are good age years, though, you know, from sure, your right. mid-20s, and, you and, and Todd was, same. you know, early 30s. That, yeah. To, yeah. Like, that's, that's your best block of time. You're not going to hit the wall in those years, but thank God Todd wears a hat throughout, because he went... <laughs> I mean, it went white. When we started, he was Literally. he was brown, and, and by the time yeah. we finished, he was he was completely salt and pepper. Wow. The budget, uh, I sold all my comic books and whatever wow. else I could, <laughs> like a bass guitar amp, a bass guitar. Wow. We bought the Panasonic, the, the very first twenty four yeah. frame camera. You know, wow, the the, yeah. the DVX DVX one hundred. Yep. So we were really excited about that, and that's kind of what spurred us to do a feature. It was like, well, now this camera exists, and it's going to look kind of cinematic. So let's do this, yeah. and and we'll this will be our film school so you know it was, it was two in one and, and we we had been kicking around ideas so really the three of us wrote the story I wrote the screenplay and we had just we just kind of took some bits and pieces that we had been doing forever because Alan and I actually did backyard wrestling for huh. 10 years, ten years yeah. <laughs> really? yeah they've got wow. the videos got to prove it. oh yeah, yeah. yeah. we've That's got awesome. ni- we've got nine DVDs full of, That's of, of, of <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and Captain so, Clam was an actual character <laughs> no way and, 
Yeah. So was a Cuban assassin. <laughs> Cuban wow. assassin and the bandit were all were all originally so Captain Cannonball. Yeah. Was our Hulk Hogan. Wow. Yes, he was. Wow. Yeah. So cool. So we just adopted those right in and and the thinking of, you know, like that's that's just the situation that puts, you know, kicks uh tied into what am I going to do with my life, which wasn't a big leap for us because we had been creatively, that's what we'd been doing for a long time and yeah. and it, it was over and, and our Captain Cannonball kind of had walked out on us <laughs> at the very uh, what was it supposed to be our penultimate like our last giant <laughs> event and, and and which was Scott Stafford's bachelor party. <laughs> yes. yes. That's how I wanted to spend. Awesome. Yeah, that's what I wanted. So how much of that budget did you spend on the Redbone Big Squatch sign? Zero. Does that sign really exist? It did. That's a real sign. Um, but you guys didn't create it for the movie. This this no. is a sign that has a Bigfoot character on it holding somebody's like ripped off head, right? Yeah. Right. A, a, like it's a, it's 19th a, century young lady's yeah. body it, and it's right. head a, separated. It, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. <laughs> so you guys work eight years on this, pour a ton of your life and money into it. So what's that like to finally watch on the big screen, do the kind of get it out there for people? Was it like, were you able to be satisfied with it or was it immediately like, oh, I want to change all these things. I want to do the next thing. Or could you just enjoy the moment? I think I enjoyed it. Yeah. I think we did too. Like now, it, you know, it's like, I wish we had had a better camera at the time. I wish we had known what we were doing a little bit more because we, you know, because we sunk some of our best years into just getting that one thing done it's those like man those weren't your best years your best years are yet to <laughs> yeah. come it's like i wish we could like just go back in time and let and let's you know wish we could do like three in that same amount of effort that we put into this one and, and now that we're knowing we're doing a little bit more but at the time yeah i was really happy with it and happy with the response we got and it got a lot of laughs you know in yeah. screenings and stuff like that there yeah. are a plethora of great lines thank you a couple of my favorites real quick when tony's leaving to go do his paper route i'm on my way to do the route and Dad says, Well, I'll call Easy Street and tell them we're on our way. I love that one. <laughs> That's my dad. That's my it's real dad. It's a real dad. Actually, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the Weldon glasses. And the Weldon glasses are his glasses. He would never wear those, but uh, it's the only thing we could find to make him feel comfortable <laughs> enough to so, save so reading the paper with his welding yeah, glasses, welding glasses yeah. on. I think it's a scene with Granny where she's mad at somebody about something and <laughs> asks why somebody's dirty. I think Alan's dirty. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was the waitress in oh, the yeah. restaurant. Oh, the, yeah. oh, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. What about him? Why is he so dirty? We just got done burying some old lady. That's too many questions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I loved great. it. I just loved it. All right. So, where can people watch this if they are interested? Everything's on our website. Everybody, everything can funnel through walksoffleyfilms.com. That's the easiest thing to remember. But you can find it on Vimeo if you just want to search Cannonball on there. And uh, you know, Vimeo.com backslash walksoffleyfilms. Everything's walksoffleyfilms, but it's on it's on there, and they can watch it. But if you want a disc, man, that would be nice, wouldn't it? If you had an actual a disc in your hands, and it only. If it only cost ten bucks, that would be amazing. So yeah, because trust me, folks, when the warheads come and they will, <laughs> you're not going to have all these servers to pull. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. If you've got, if you've still got a generator and an old TV <laughs> and a DVD player and are below the surface far enough, you can still watch this movie. And kids love it. They do. Like if you've got no joke, like that's one thing that we learned. Like you know, obviously we didn't make it off this thing and nobody bought it, but uh, <laughs> eight to sixteen year olds. Like, 
we made our money back and everything, but seven through 16 year old, years old, holy crap. Like people yeah. we don't know, huh. like we hear about it all the time. The, the discs awesome. kind of get passed around and stuff like that. And, and all of a sudden, you somebody, some kid will walk up to you or some parent will walk up to you and like, my kids watch your movie like nonstop. And, oh, and like, great. so it's like, yeah. it, that, that kind of blows our minds and that's kind of cool, but it'd be nice if those kids had money. Yeah. <laughs> your uh, number one Georgia film is Smokey and the Bandit. East Bandit. Bar none. Yeah. Bar none. 1977, the year uh, Alan and I were born. Big Enos wants to drink Coors at the truck show, but in 1977, it was illegal to sell Coors east of the Mississippi River without a permit. So truck driver Bo Bandit Darville, which I never knew that was his name. I didn't either. Uh, <laughs> agrees to pick up the beer in Texas and drive it to Georgia within 28 hours. When Bo picks up hitchhiker Carrie, played by Sally Field, he attracts the attention of Sheriff Buford T. Justice, Jackie Gleason's second shout out on this podcast. Angry that Carrie will not marry his son, Justice embarks on a high speed chase after the bandit. Also, Jackie Gleason, second shout out. Is that what I said? You said Burt. Oh, okay. No, I mean Burt oh, Reynolds. So, Burt Reynolds, yeah. second shout out. Right. Sorry. Yeah, there we go. Oh, and speaking of shout outs, real quick. Shout out to Dolph Lundgren, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys get to do that, then we get to shout out to Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton. There you go. Who is Who does your Bill Paxton impersonation? Lance. Lance. It's incredible. Yeah, he's amazing. It cracks me up every time he does it on y'all's podcast. Be sure to pass it along. I need uh, to hear Some it. of those are uh, actually Bill Paxton. <laughs> yeah. I, I wouldn't doubt it. It's so good. But anyway. So much spawn from Smokey and the Bandit. Speaking of Dukes of Hazard, which is always tied to Georgia also, mm-hmm. and um, all those 80s shows and so much of car culture and, and to have a car be part of, be a character in movies and TV, I think came from that. But I love it. I love everything about it. I love the humor. And one that thing that struck me watching it again recently was just how much uh, improv and ad lib there clearly is going on in that thing. It's very loose. It's very loose. And Gleason obviously had free reign to do what he wanted. You must be in a hell of a hurry, huh, Sheriff? Bet your ass on that boy. Oh, you got a little mess there. Let me, mm-hmm. let me help you out here. Get that off of there. That's a way for an officer. Much obliged. Who are you chasing? Somebody chasing you? Nobody chasing me, boy. I've been chasing a cop mania all the way from Texarkana, Texas. Really? Was he a bank robber? Bank robbing. Bank robbing his baby alongside of what this dude is doing. Yeah. Almost killed 20 law officers, driving through people's backyard, knocking down mailboxes, got a broad in the car, took across the street line, got the man out. I don't think he's got a permission, and that's getting him. How's that behind you? What a... Oh, let me pay for it. Let me pay for it. Mm, no, no, no. You're an officer of the law. I'd, I'd, I'd be honest. Yeah, much obliged. Where's the can? I got to take the squirt. I'll ride back there. Just one. <laughs> So I thought that was kind of neat and one of the first examples I can think of of, of a script being that loose and, and just letting the, the actors play a little bit. I've always loved that film since I was a kid. So yeah. was this Dukes of Hazard came after this? Yes. It has to be in, inspired by it, right? They, they all, very, that's what they very always closely say. Yeah. followed it. Yeah. yeah, they always say it's like directly inspired by like, hey, let's do something like this for TV. Yeah, yeah I read that their sponsorship from Pontiac, they only got four Trans Ams. So by the end of filming, three of them were totaled and the last one wouldn't start anymore. So they had oh, wow. to like push it into the scene. Well, and Burt Reynolds 
Reynolds was supposed to get a brand new one for free from some higher up at, yeah. at Pontiac, and he he didn't get it, but he didn't want to be a jerk and be like, "Hey, yeah, give me score. give me my Trans Am." So he, but he finally <laughs> called, and it turns out that guy had retired, and the new like guy who took his job wouldn't honor the the what? promise. So oh, after the million Trans Ams they exactly. sold after this movie, yeah, yeah it yeah. was insane the sales numbers. It doubled in yeah. sales in two years after this movie. Wow. The Trans Am did, awesome. yeah. and the, I guess wow. it was I guess it was urban legend that because what I'd always heard was that Burt got a brand new Trans Am for like every year since this movie's not very urban yeah. though so I might venture to say it was a, it's a rural, rural legend a rural legend, legend yeah. true, yeah. um, so the most amazing factor out of this movie is apparently every Wednesday Alfred Hitchcock would screen films on the lot in his office the last one he screened before he died was Smokey and the Bandit Whoa. apparently it was one of his favorite films his daughter amazing. said oh, that's right yeah, his, his favorite guilty pleasure film that's I've never great. felt guilty when I watched this film <laughs> ever and I never will somebody did some calculations and apparently the trip in this movie is 2200 miles which doesn't really seem accurate if you're going wow. from where was it Texarkana yes. to Atlanta Atlanta Georgia because the the boys are thirsty in Atlanta yeah, <laughs> that's right. yeah. they are and they got, they got so. beer in Texarkana yeah. well it, it just seems so like a, it seems excessive considering isn't it only 1800 miles from Kentucky to LA right, but this is round trip uh, round yeah so trip. round trip 2200 miles and to do it in 18 hours they need to do here 28 hours 28 hours that's what the thing that I just read said 28 well I'm not going to finish this fact because no. it, it, it is obviously not a fact are you trying to poke holes in it no not at all just that uh, you would have to drive 120 miles an hour the uh, whole time which is really exciting he probably did yeah which is one of the only problems I have with the movie it, it stops and starts so many times like it, it creates situations that can put Jerry Reed and the bandit like close mm-hmm. together because one yeah. will get ahead of the other and they'll, they'll stop for no reason whatsoever right. and, and you like, just got to pee and they couldn't show that and yeah right. right and like yeah so, so Bert and, and Sally can like do it and, and <laughs> yeah. also important on a road trip yeah so, yeah. so it's like well if they're gonna do it what do we do with uh, Jerry Reed well let's have him get beat up for no reason and then like yeah. the dog runs away well, I thought and, you yeah. liked this movie Scott I really do but you know. <laughs> it's our favorite Georgia movie yeah. <laughs> alright so normally we end the podcast by saying one thing that we are excited about but I'm gonna say that we're all excited about the same thing right now oh that's and right let Jordan take what that is well, we're about to go over to a little place here in Paducah called the Gold Rush Cafe, I think. And they have a hamburger there called the Eggs Caliburger. Hopefully I said that slow enough that all of you can get it. And about as slow as we talk here in the South. In the South. This is a very special double cheeseburger. Maybe has bacon on it. We don't remember. But it's got a fried egg. And the bun is two grilled cheese sandwiches. So this is three sandwiches in one sandwich. And I'm going to eat it tonight. I've never eaten it before. It's not what I ate last time we went there. But tonight is happening. And if you don't have IBS before you go, it will jumpstart it. (laughs) I think they can trace it back. Patient zero for IBS was the Excalibur. (laughs) I knew it. You guys oh, real plug, quick, you guys, you guys plug also yourselves? plug yourselves one more time. So where can we learn more about Talk Hard and Walk Softly Films? WalkSoftlyFilms.com. Everything can be found through there. And on the social medias, everything is at WalkSoftlyFilms. We're on the Twitters and uh, the Instagrams. So yeah, you can find our podcast, Talk Hard, on there. There's a podcast tab on the uh, website, and we're on the iTunes and Stitchers. And if you're going out on your bike tonight, please wear white. Thank you, Tony. Let us know uh, how your list might differ, either for our states or your own own states you can find us at fight about film on facebook and twitter or email us at fightaboutfilm at gmail.com 
please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. Four Friends Fight About Film is produced by the Brothers Ray in Atlanta, Georgia. This episode was recorded and edited by Jordan Noel. Thanks for doing this, guys. You know, for the last however long it took us to record this, I didn't miss Lance or Gibby at all. We don't need them. <laughs> They're no. out. They're <laughs> out. <laughs> Let's be honest, yeah. right? Yeah. Now we just have to fly you guys in once a week. Yeah. We do ours by Skype. Yeah, we're not doing do that. Do you really? We like to be in person. That would be great, but Gibby and Lance and, and so like seven people on, on <laughs> yeah. Skype would work flawless. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Without a doubt. <laughs> all, right. all right. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thanks. Hey, y'all. This is Jordan checking in with a Gold Rush update and a plug. We've been home from Paducah for a week or so, and I'm putting the finishing touches on this episode. The Excalibur burgers were truly fantastic. It didn't have any bacon on it, but it didn't matter. It's a double cheeseburger with a fried egg, and the buns are grilled cheeses, like I said. One, though, is stuffed with tomato, and the other is stuffed with pickles. Served with a steak knife jammed down in the top, just like Excalibur itself. So I guess we're kings now. Burger kings. <laughs> okay. Uh, tune in next week. Lance and Gibby will be back and we'll let down our guard a little and discuss movies that made us cry. Lance talks about being teary in his local Starbucks. Jordan cries over a farting corpse. Hudson weeps to a poorly placed Radiohead song. And Gibby breaks all the rules by choosing basically every movie he's ever seen. Until then, here's a little Southern send-off. Bye. We gonna do what they say can't be done We've got a long way to go And a short time to get there I'm eastbound just like no bandit run Keep your foot hard on the pedal Some never mind them brakes Let it all hang out cause we gotta run to make The boys are thirsty in Atlanta And there's beer in Texarkana And we'll bring it back no matter what it takes Eastbound and down are we gonna do what they say can't be done? We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm eastbound just watch your bandit run. can't be done we've got a long way to go and a short time to get there i'm eastbound up watch your bandit run old smoke has got them ears on he's hot on your trail he ain't gonna rest till you're in jail so you got to dodge him you've got to duck him you gotta keep that diesel trucking just put that hammer down and give it hell eastbound and down put it up and truck it are we gonna do what they say can't be done? We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. 
Armies found a water bandit run. 